And I think that's a good segue to, to come off of that, um, that, that topic and get into the juicy stuff about something we are both interested in. And that is unidentified flying objects. Now, you told me last week that you, or was it, sorry, was it your wife that had seen something a bit peculiar yeah. in Scotland? Are you able to tell that story? Because I remember being fascinated by that. She had, well, you know, the thing is, this is really interesting, actually, because it's not just about UFOs, it's about UFOs in Scotland. All right, because, you know, Scotland is a UFO hotspot. And, and it's also a Buckfast hotspot. And I don't know if those two things connect. Uh, probably, probably, but, you know, no, probably, definitely. My, my wife, no, my wife saw a UFO um, f- from the plane flying into Edinburgh Airport. Uh, and she saw uh, a, a metal triangle. So it was out the window, metal triangle. It was going very, very fast. It seemed to slow right down, sped up again and whizzed off. And that was that. But this was in 1993, 94, I think. It was summertime around then. We, I moved to Edinburgh in 89, lived there until the end of uh, 96. So um, it was right in the middle of that. There was what was called the, the Bonnie Bridge uh, UFO flap or the, uh, the Falkirk Triangle, as it became known. Because it's roughly uh, sort of a, a between Bonnie Bridge, uh, Falkirk, and then right the way across to uh, Livingston. There's a sort of triangle-ish. You can that side of the Pentlands. Huge amount of UFO sightings. Over 300 sightings, in fact, um, that were recorded between 1992 and uh, right up, I, th- I think, until 2005, where even the like the the provost of <laughs> like Livingston has made statements about the fact that for all we know, uh, there are aliens walking around, uh, you know, the Pentlands uh, doing stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But there was this, this huge flap and it was massive because um, all many reportings of this triangular UFO, right? This big triangle. And um, uh, you know, that's what the wife saw as well. And there's a black ops base, they say, but it's not, it's just it's a top secret RAF base with a black painted uh, runway so that it doesn't get picked up apparently with sort of satellite imagery overhead. Uh, RAF, RAF Macrohanich, which is over on the West Coast. And they're thinking that they were maybe testing stealth technology there and, you know, stealth bombers are triangular. Um, and this may have been a whole stealth bomber thing, but all, all the same, actually, you know, when you start scratching into it, that feels like, well, that's a uh, you know, perfectly reasonable explanation. It's probably quite a lot of the sightings were, but there's quite a lot of sightings that, in that area that, that clearly weren't because people reported getting kidnapped by aliens and you know, glowing balls chasing their car and attacking them and stuff. I mean, real close encounters stuff. Um, and it got me really interested in, in it because this isn't like some you know, guys living in the desert in Utah, it's Livingston. You know, it's Falkirk. You know, we, are, we aren't in a situation here where we've got Californians, you know, who, you know, are like away with the fairies here, which is an interesting link, because actually I think a lot of this is to do with fairies, because Scotland has also got a history of fairies. The fairies described in Scottish history um, look a lot like the aliens described later on. You know, they're tall, they're thin, they're grey, they're elf men, etc., etc. I got I got all these, I was making these notes about it, actually, and, you know, um, yeah, in 1572, an elf, a woman uh, called uh, Isabel uh, Strathquen, um, s- uh, said that an elf man laid with her. 
uh, she got burned actually. There was a lot, a lot of a lot of women got burned for being witches back then, and uh, often it was to do with the fact that they claimed that they'd had had sex with the fairy actually, which wasn't tiny. They were quite big. Catherine uh, Cray was another one uh, who said that a fairy man laid with her. Yeah, it didn't end well for her either. Um, this also fairies in this period were often described as little men in green suits, little green men. The origin of little green men turns out to have been a, one testimony by a woman called Anne Jeffries in Cornwall in 1645, who said little green, green men came in her garden. Interestingly, all Celtic sort of derived cultures, right? So Scotland, Ireland, Cornwall, Wales, a uh, huge number of fairy sightings, and also simultaneously later on, or so not simultaneously, but later on, similarly, uh, yeah, they also have spates of UFO sightings as well. And alien kidnaps, and lo and behold, the aliens look like fairies, or do the fairies look like aliens? Are we seeing the same things? It's a really interesting phenomenon that sort of links culture and history and folklore and, you know, also sort of modern sort of day uh, folklore as well, because a lot of this was about, they said that the fairies would kidnap you to and then swap your kids out to be changelings who are part human, part fairy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, this was first written about by a guy called uh, Gervais of Tilbury, which is a great name in the 13th, 13th century. So they writing about, you know, all the different kinds of fairies that had been found, uh, you know, in stories, brownies, hobgoblins, uh, the washer by the ford, um, sounds like the Blair Witch, uh, blue-faced hag called Black Amis from Leicestershire. Uh, blue-faced hag. Like Blair Witch. You see a couple of them in Blue-faced hag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's funny, though, because the whole thing about getting kidnapped and then hybrids and stuff, that's basically the plot of the X-Files. Uh, <laughs> so if you... Sorry to ruin it for you. If you're watching it, if you're going back and re-watching the X-Files uh, series, which also came out in the 90s, but basically the plot of that is basically the plot of every fairy kidnap story for uh, uh, the last sort of, you know, yeah, 800 years. Yeah. And that <laughs> so reminds me of... Uh, really interesting. Yeah, that reminds me of, I think I t- mentioned it to you last week, uh, the college that I went to study to become an electrician. Uh, the janitor from there, uh, very, fa- very famous, famously, was reported to have been abducted, him and his friend abducted uh, from when they were in their car from traveling from Livingston down the A70 uh, into Lanarkshire. And supposedly they were dropping off something to their friend, uh, like a, a TV box set or whatever. And then they noticed there was some sort of two-tiered metallic thing flying in front of their car. And before they knew it, they were almost like knocked out and they returned what felt like an instant or maybe five minutes later and they had weird marks all over their body and they had they were both shocked it was a similar experience the two of them reportedly experienced the same thing and then they eventually arrived at their mate's house thinking you know 15 minutes had elapsed so they were there in due time uh, according to the date the time that they set off and it wasn't until their mate says, where have you been? Where, where have you been? And they checked the time and they'd been like two hours misplaced. And they didn't yeah. know where, when, who, what, how. It was mental. And then the Ministry of Defence actually opened up a case to investigate that. And I believe that is still an open case. 
in the Ministry of Defence. That's right. That is the story of Gary Wood and Colin Wright, so who, exactly, yeah. you know, they were, yeah, kidnapped uh, on on the A70 and the, A, I think, A71 to Livingston. Now, what's really interesting about this is, is, like I said, you know, we're not talking about Roswell, New Mexico, Area 51 here. We're talking about the A70 to Livingston, right? That is not a, an obvious place where you would expect aliens to be doing stuff, right? So this is this is what makes it really interesting. Also, obviously, on Decky Hill, Deshman Hill, Deckman Hill, uh, I'm, I'm not even going to... Deckman Hill! Deckman. Uh, Deckman. Deckman. Uh, you see, I just, I'm not even going to try it, frankly. You know, I'm, I'm, my father would not be happy. He, he, he was from Ken Ross. He would not be happy with me murdering it like that. Um, but 1979, uh, Robert Taylor uh, claimed that uh, he was almost kidnapped, almost kidnapped, by uh, balls, he, he saw a, a fl- flying saucer with a flange around it. It had robot arms, giant robot arms coming out of it, and it fired these balls at him that chased him and tried to drag him off into the woods and up into the thingy. But he managed to get away, get in his car, and went straight and told the police. They investigated this; that something weird had happened. Right. So this is this is like you know two out of over three hundred sightings and uh, sort of claimed seeing aliens and what have you that have taken place uh in the area and it's still going on now 2019 the flying saucer in glasgow which was described as scudding about uh by glasgow green right now the thing is at this point it's like well flying saucer in glasgow surely the aliens would be smarter than that right you know because we've, <laughs> we've all been to glasgow right you know we know we know it's a great party town um you know but then that's why no one would spot you now the guy who really coined the term ufology the first ever ufologist charles Fort, he said that the, the reason is aliens would not have to hide what they're doing because it is he his quote was it is not the respectable thing to uh claim that you've seen visitors from another world you know and if anyone claimed that then, you know, they, things would be made very disagreeable for them, which is true, right? Because everyone who comes out and says, oh, I've been kidnapped by an alien, you know what, well, they get the piss taken out of them, don't they? And yeah. it's like, people say you're a nutter. Uh, so it's really interesting. He started, um, he actually wrote the first book, The Book of the Damned, it's called, it was about strange phenomena, aerial phenomena, the first sort of descriptions of that, I guess, in 1919. But this all started in the 1800s, um, 1860 there was a flap in Delaware where it was red balls people saw red balls moving super fast and doing stuff uh in the 1850s and 1860s there were a lot of stories in Nebraska about flying metal snakes a giant metal serpents um again shooting balls I don't know what it is about the shooting balls right there's a lot of balls in this um <laughs> there's a guy a, a linguist a J.A.H. Um, uh, Murray 19, 1895 in Oxford said that he saw a meteor that was traveling parallel to the ground and went behind a tree and then came out again and whizzed off. All right. So it was from the mid 1800s, this stuff starts happening. It first gets written down, written about by Charles Fort, who, who is, you know, the inspiration for the 14 times, which is the journal of strange phenomena, great magazine. Uh, I'm not receiving any endorsements for saying that. <laughs> you know, I just, uh, I love it. And um, yeah, this is, this is where it all started. So people were talking about it way before Roswell. UFOs were here way before Roswell. Um, in the same way, I guess, that, you know, fairies were kidnapping people mm. and, and you know, doing experiments on them and stuff like this, you know, 700 years ago. Yeah. And it's funny because 
they, the people 700 years ago wouldn't have the same reference points to call it like an, a UFO or an alien. So they'd find the next thing that is closest to describing that from their culture and the words that they use to describe like folklore and mystical beings. So that's another thing to sort of sprinkle into the, the UFO pot that these sightings of reportedly fairies and stuff like that this isn't like they're not literally saying little fairies from like Tinkerbell but what they are saying is they've experienced some weird phenomena that they can't exp they, that they can't explain without using sort of mystical folklorish terms to describe their experience which is another factor it's true I, th I think the other thing that's a really interesting thing here is that people fake this stuff too and what's interesting Definitely. about that is that there's the people who make genuine accounts and say that they've genuinely seen this stuff. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it yourself, you've got to think to yourself, okay, what sort of evidence is this? I mean, it's interesting going back to sort of the fake news and stuff like this. You know, if it's if there's no way you can fact check the story, you really have to take it on faith, right? Whether or not you are going to believe the person's credibility and all this sort of stuff. So it's not like you can fact check any of this stuff. Um, and I know because I'm friends, I used to be, uh, I'd worked on a project once and I was sort of in touch with, a guy called Nick Pope, who was the Ministry of Defense's UFO investigator. And he said, the problem is it's very hard to fact check any of this stuff because there's no evidence. There's nothing left behind. It's very difficult. Interestingly, I live very near his biggest UFO case, which was investigating the, the 1980 Rendlesham Forest UFO, which was witnessed by, you know, an entire airbase of American troops, right? So, you know, there was a colonel that saw it. There was a whole bunch of, you know, perimeter guards who chased something through the woods, um, there's now a very cool UFO trail. You can go and you can walk the route that the uh, Americans took before the airbase was decommissioned and follow it and sort of uh, try and go through the story of the whole thing. Uh, the guys who claimed to have got close to it said that time slowed down, they got stuck, et cetera, et cetera. And there's all this, you know, but, I mean, an awful lot of people saw something. Thing is, as he said, again, there was no evidence apart from there were, uh, you know, unusually high background radiation readings. Okay, so everywhere's radioactive a little bit. That's just, you know, we live in a rock flying through space. It's constantly getting bombarded with stuff. And we have rocks that have been churned up in the center of the earth, et cetera, with rare minerals and things like that. There's always a bit of radioactivity. Um, but it's significantly higher there. It's not so high that you can't go for a walk around the forest, you know, without your hair falling out or something. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's not that kind of high. But it's unusually high. It's unusually high, apparently. Um, now this has been heavily questioned saying yes but you know it could have been unusually high because you know they transported nuclear material through there one time or something and it had leaked a little bit or something or there could have been some toxic waste or blah 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 I mean, there's a million reasons for it but as he said the bottom line is it's the only case I've ever had where the, the government actually got to get their hands on something that was proper evidence because the thing is, that, I mean, there was a, a Glasgow Prestwick Airport, 1999. The radar captured something moving super fast across the airport's sort of field of radar. Gave everyone a panic because it was like, oh, God, it's going to hit all the planes. Just sh shot through. And they actually have the radar tapes of this. So they have that kind of evidence. But the thing is, that's what a glitch would look like. So there are other ways to explain it. This one was, was slightly different. But the thing is, there's very, very little evidence left behind that this stuff is real. People come out and talk about it. They get debunked as nuts. And yet people still fake it. I, I ran a campaign back in my sort of like, you know, uh, internet media days with Nick Pope. 
to fake UFO pictures. We got people to fake UFO pictures with competition from Microsoft. And it was to promoting their sort of version of Facebook, MSN Spaces, which no one will remember, hopefully, because it you know, <laughs> didn't last long. But we did this thing where we got people to like, you know, fake a picture of a UFO in your back garden, a bit like those girls in Cornwall folk the, uh, or whatever did the fairies back in the 1920s. Fair, you know, and so we got people to get toys and put toys in the garden. So they all look at an alien in the garden and stuff like this. Uh, there's one bloke sent in a picture of himself completely naked and said, I don't know about you, but I think my dick looks a bit like an alien. We got quite a few of those, actually. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I mean, I wanted to give him a prize just because, you know, of just the sheer, you know, uh, like uh, front of the guy. It was like, well, I haven't faked a picture, but, but look at my dick. So, you know, I, we didn't give him a prize. But we were, and people were like doing stuff with hubcaps and Photoshop. And, you know, we did one where we got a hubcap. We put it on the end of a pole. We held it up above Shoreditch where our studio was. And then we, we Photoshopped out all the other bits. So it just looked like a flying hubcap uh, in Shoreditch. Um, and loads of kids got into it. It was great. But of course, when we did this, suddenly all the UFO conspiracy theorists latched onto it and said, look, Nick Pope, who works for the UK government and Microsoft, who are in league with the CIA, are faking UFO pictures. And the reason they're doing this is so that you can't tell the real ones, because if there's millions of fakes out there, you won't be able to spot the ones that are real because there's real UFO pictures out there. Um, and it, it was really interesting because it was like, okay, fine. I never expected that to happen. It was a really successful campaign because it sort of went viral because all these people saying, oh, look, you know, you, you, why are you faking UFO pictures? But it's, it's really interesting. People fake fairies, people fake UFOs, people fake monsters. Um, as well as people genuinely see them. And there's something really interested in that. It's like, okay, it's such a big deal that people will use it to try and get famous as well as people will use it and have fame thrust upon them that they don't want. And that's a really weird thing. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's not like it's a, it's a ticket to success or it's a ticket to being socially uh, ostracized. It's somewhere in between, right? It's yeah. uh, a weird, weird phenomenon. Have you seen the video of the uh, naval pilot from America off the coast of California, and he's tracking some sort of, well, it looks like a tic-tac on his, his like, battle screen in his fighter jet. He's, <clears throat> he's literally tracking it for ages, and then it just goes, boop, from whatever altitude it was, all the way down to sea level, and then it just like, fires into the, the ocean defying all sense of what we understand for, for physics and propulsion and all this stuff. Uh, have you seen that video? I have. There's been a whole load of stuff released, hasn't there, as well, uh, from the, the sort of Pentagon's files eventually. And people coming out and saying, I think the interesting thing here is, is that, we, and it applies to that one as well, is that, yes, there's definitely stuff we've picked up that we, we're not quite sure what it is you know, um, and it requires investigation. And I, I think the, the reason why the military is still interested in this is because, you know, they can't claim that they're giving taxpayers value for money if they can't stop stuff from flying over, right? That's, I guess that's the whole point, isn't it? It's like, you know, oh, well, why are we paying for the army? Well, no one can just fly their stuff over us without us having like air force and military sort of scanning it, right? So they've got to keep investigating this stuff. It's like, basically, it's like your worst nightmare you know, if you're, you know, in charge of military spending, it's like, oh, God, you know, would these guys stop coming over because they're making us look like we, we don't know what we're doing? Yeah, I have, I have seen that. I don't know enough, though, about the way these things work to be able to say, okay, that's definitely 
a UFO or it's definitely this, it's definitely that. You know, I live in the country. I see satellites going overhead all the time. I'm convinced some days it's a UFO, but it's not. Weird shaped clouds is a thing. I guess for me, it all comes back to this, this idea that, um, you know, when people crash at sea, you know, helicopter pilots crash at sea, the reason they have to do so much training is because people often get out the helicopter and they'll swim down. They'll swim the wrong way because they're so disorientated. And that to me always seems really weird. Well, what you'd swim up, wouldn't you? You'd swim up towards the light, you'd, you know, but when you, you're in a crash, your brain gets turned upside down, you know, you, you don't know what you're doing and you can wind up accidentally drowning yourself. Or, you know, the, the guy, Steve Marriott from the band who in his cottage went on fire, um, he leapt out of bed and he ran into his wardrobe and then choked to death in his wardrobe, trying to, you know, get out of his own wardrobe. Uh, and it's like, you know, when, when you're under high pressure and stuff happens and, you know, you get caught up in the moment, it, it is very easy to, you know, for, for weird stuff to happen. But is it weird or is it something that's going on in your brain, which is hugely complicated, right? Your brain is so complex that, you know, weird stuff can happen in your brain and, you know, it feels real, but is it really real? And then when you see a video of it, you look at it and you say, wow, this guy is chasing something and he thinks it's real. But ultimately, you know, do we know enough about what it is to be able to make a determination on that? And I, I'm, I'm not sure we can. I'm thinking it's very compelling. You know, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, I really, is it what, mm, you know, I, I don't know. I've never flown in a jet plane. Maybe you see stuff like that all the time. Yeah. And it's annoying in the fact that you might go your whole life and never see one. You know what I mean? And you never get that. If you're someone who is, I need to see it to believe it type, that can be frustrating. You know, the chances that you can look up every single night of your life and not see something that you think is, you know, something from another galaxy or a high-tech vehicle being piloted by fairies or whatever. You know what I mean? That can be frustrating to people, but I mean, it's, there's, there's no smoke without, without flame. That's the way I kind of look at it. There's no smoke without flame. Yeah, no, there's definitely something going on. There's definitely something going on, but what it is, you know, is, you know, in a way, you got to say, okay, well, it, when um, camcorders first got really big in the 80s and 90s, part of the technology, because it was pre-digital and they had some sort of lenses that was sort of, you know, zooming in and out like you'd have in an old lens camera before it was all mostly software that did the work, um, you would get light trapped uh, in one of the reflectors that would make a little diamond shape that would appear in sort of lens flares. And there was a huge spate of UFO sightings of people who quite literally were, you know, seeing stuff in the camera and then looking with the naked eye and then looking through the camera and seeing it again um, and saying, look at this thing, but it, I could only pick it up on my camera. And it took a while for people to work out that it was to do with the lens in the camera and the way the lenses worked. And I think, I think that's one of the issues is we know all the things that are there, you know, the, the principle of, you know, William of Ockham and Ockham's razor, the idea that you can cut away all the, the unseen agents and what you're left with is the simplest explanation is, is normally the right one. You know, we know that there's glass, we know there's light, we know that light and glass interact in some ways. It's more likely that you are seeing some interaction between light and glass than, you know, aliens are flying in front of you in, in a flying saucer, just in terms of probabilities, you know, just on a sort of basic level. And, you know, as a result, the skeptics, generally speaking, tend to find themselves always in a position where 
there is always a more likely explanation. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's right. You know, it's the, the black swan event, which of course we hear about loads now to do with, you know, all the issues of kind of coronavirus pandemics or with, you know, Brexit shortages and blah, 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 blah. People say, oh, it's a black swan event. You know, it's something that, you know, doesn't happen very often. When it does happen, it changes our understanding of systems and the world. That's all great. So that's not to say that these things don't happen. But the one consistent thing, I guess, with all of this, going back to, you know, the first fairy writings from the 13, from the 1200s, uh, right the way through to Roswell and right the way through to, you know, Bonnie Bridge and, and beyond, is that as of yet, the aliens haven't actually landed and said hello, <laughs> you know, and the fairies haven't turned up and done an interview, you know, streaming or otherwise with a bloke like me so so therefore you know we are left a little bit like well they're, they're kind of they're kind of screwing with our scheduling here because you know we could have an awesome <laughs> podcast with an alien couldn't we but no he won't come on he's too busy he's doing other stuff yeah i can we, see you if there's a landing i can see you running out with your mic your uh, your recorder and getting taking that opportunity live streaming well, this, it on twitter the first ever live stream on twitter with an alien forget the uk the prime is, minister an alien you know, it's just the thing for me, right? That this is the worst part. I think there's a certain existential sort of like, you know, ego anxiety here about the whole thing. Because the bottom line is, is that if the, if the UFOs are coming, then they really, really aren't that interested in what we're doing, right? They're just, it's like, they're not interested enough to come and say hello. You know, it's, it's kind of like, oh, we're, we're like, you know, really lame. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. I think it's a people, people collectively are like, oh, you know what? If the Loch Ness monster is real, you know what? He just he couldn't give a toss about us because he couldn't care less. He's not bothered enough to come up and say hello. You know, he's not even going to try and eat me. It's like, oh God, go on, eat me, eat me. You know, we all we all want the aliens to arrive and invade and try and battle us, right? We all want the dinosaurs to come back to life and then try and kill us. Imagine they came back and they were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and just like wandered off and did their own thing. You'd be like, no, wait, T-Rex, come back and hunt me. And he's like, <laughs> nah, nah, I can't be bothered, mate. You know what, you're a dick. You know, it'd be terrible. It's the rejection, right? Aliens have rejected us as being fun. You know, they don't want to hang out with us, man. Oh, you know, it's like, oh my God. Andy, you're going to break this... my heart. You know, it's break like, wow. It's like the fairies. The fairies are like, they have the wildest parties and they definitely don't want us to find out where they're having it, <laughs> right? They don't want us to go. Right, we're going to turn up, like, you know, you're going to turn up, you've got a six-pack of 80 shilling, you know, uh, <laughs> bag of weed. You're like, come on, everybody, we have a party. And the but fairies fast. Like, oh, there goes the neighbourhood. Yeah, exactly, a bottle of Bucky. And, you know, the fairies, they're not having it. They're just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're like, no, look, we've got canapes, we've got duck liver, we're drinking this magical ambrosia wine. We're not sharing it with you because, you know, you get pissed and you tell all your mates. It'll all be all over Instagram. They, they don't want that. Right? They don't want that. So basically, we've got dumped. We've got dumped by the aliens and the fairies, man. They're just, they're just not into us. Oh, that's broke my heart. That's broke my heart. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up this podcast, brother. That has been uh, so much fun. We've sort of covered Dude, a lot of different topics, haven't we? We have. We've done the whole thing, man. We've done the whole thing. I just, I'm really glad. I, <laughs> I'm really glad I don't have to edit this. <laughs> so but thank you dude genuinely thank you this has been so it's been so great that someone's actually asked me a question for once you know i'm so as you can tell i'm desperate i am desperate to answer some questions so thank you've you you've got a voice uh, for the radio totally so awesome. I'm, I'm sure everyone has uh, enjoyed listening to your voice as much as i have so oh well good well i hope so. I hope so sorry mate sorry can you replug everything um that 
you know what you want people to check out just so we can make sure that people stay in contact with you and, and follow your work please oh sure yeah okay so um yeah i'm doing a show at the minute uh called how to be a podcast genius and uh, which and you know what the thing is i'm not boasting it's a low bar it's a low bar you know it's easy to get into podcasting it's easy to do a good show and basically it's just it's, a, it's just a little short series of shows where i talk about how i do stuff doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way to do it but i i've been lucky i've learned from some lots of really great people out there and there's loads of great resources online and uh you know i've, I've been lucky enough that i've worked around you know uh media for long enough that works some really great uh, producers and you know sound engineers and people like that who have given me some tips so it's a show all about the stuff that i do and how to make your own shows because i think everyone should be doing this you know everyone's got a blog you've got an instagram feed that's great but you can take it to the next level right you can you can get out there and do much more interesting in-depth quality stuff and the thing i love about it right voice is it reaches you when you're doing other things okay if you're looking at a screen chances are you're working or you're surfing social media or you're playing a game you're doing something like that you know but your ears can always be connected that's why you know if you you listen to podcasts when you're running when you're driving you know when you you need your eyes to like not crash or bump into stuff podcasts are great for that so uh, it's it's all about you know trying to help people get into it themselves and if you've got a company or you're a brand and you know you could you could be making your own show if you've if you've got your own blog uh to promote your stuff then make your own podcast it's it's you can go much more in depth you can you know uh really give people a much richer experience so that's what how to be a podcast genius is all about and i have another show which uh is sort of over now but if you want to go back and listen a show called lockdown lemonade which is a sort of funny interview show with people talking about the the positive things that they took away from the lockdown and what they did in the lockdown and stuff and uh, because when life gives you lemons make lemonade so when life gives you lockdown make lockdown lemonade that's the uh, <laughs> that's that. the hook for that and there's some gags and there's some humor and it gets weird we also do a liam neeson competition in one of the episodes like you did last week uh, and do go back go back and listen actually to the last episode of how to be a podcast genius because my star guest is gary tickle hey that was a fun totally- episode that, and he was awesome. And he does the best Liam Neeson. He does the best Rob Roy, <laughs> Scottish Liam Neeson speech ever. All right, and we had a great time. So definitely come on, because Gary is a legend. He's a legend of podcasting. Listen to this show. More importantly, don't listen to my shows. Listen to this show. Subscribe to this show. Hit the subscribe button right now. Slap it like it's a naughty child. And just <laughs> whack. Uh, you know, hey, that's you tell. Go on. Slap, slap the subscribe button follow this show because this is empowered radio it's the future all shows will be empowered radio you're too kind i appreciate that so i appreciate that it's brilliant cool but make sure make sure everyone's uh, staying in contact with yourself reach out um follow the podcast because i'm sure this isn't the last last time we'll be um on a podcast together hopefully i can get you up in edinburgh the next time because i'm in the process of building a studio so the next time you're up that could be fun um, That'd be awesome. Stuff. That'd be awesome. You can reach me as well. If you want to reach me, uh, I'm Andrew at wepodcastyou.com. So send me a message there. Find me on LinkedIn uh, and find We Podcast You. That's linkedin.com slash company slash We Podcast You. Find me on LinkedIn. That's linkedin.com slash in slash Andrew Keith Walker. Uh, find me on Twitter. I don't use Twitter very much, but you can still find me there. Uh, and I'm at Killdozer. And also, I'm just starting out on the new Wisdom app. In fact, this afternoon, I am starting my first ever Wisdom car. So get the Wisdom app, download the Wisdom app from the App Store. And uh, yeah, find me on there, Andrew Keith Walker. And in fact, there's only one Andrew Keith Walker. I had to use my middle name. I hate my middle name, by the way. I hate the word. Keith is a terrible name. 
Keith, I'm sorry, if your name is Keith, you know what? You just, your life is screwed, mate. No, Keith is not a great name. Uh, I never used it. I was always just Andrew Walker, but there are so many Andrew Walkers. Uh, I did some reporting at the BBC on elections. There's another Andrew Walker there who's their economics correspondent. So I was screwed. I had to come up with another name. Uh, there's, uh, I, I used Andrew K. Walker for a bit, but there's an Andrew K. Walker who is a sort of Nazi historian, by which I mean he's a historian and a Nazi. It's not the other way around. <laughs> I don't think that's great. There's yeah. Andrew K. Walker, who's a, a screenwriter in Hollywood, Andrew Kevin Walker, uh, who wrote Seven and the X-Men and stuff like this. So, you know, I'm never going to make it there. And there's a, a, a journalist in Australia uh, for the Sydney Herald called Andrew uh, Walker, who um, uh, covers crime stories. Uh, and interesting, actually covered a story about a guy called Andrew Walker, uh, who's also a serial murderer. So, you know, there's a lot, and there's an Andrew Walker who's an action hero in, you know, B-movie sort of, uh, sort of soft porn uh, action movies <laughs> in the States. There are so many more famous Andrew Walkers, it's a killer, but there's only one Andrew Keith Walker. So that's it. You can find me as Andrew Keith. Andrew Keith Walker has to now be used. That's yes. it. That's the only, only way I can get any sort of sort of desperate ego uh crazed please god someone Fulman. google me <laughs> yeah so yeah. well I, I wish i could say i have that same issue but i'd be lying to you i'd be lying to you there's not you're lucky you've got a distinctive about. name how many gary tickles are there uh yeah. me and my dad that's it your dad is that's also it. gary yeah wow yeah. uh that's two mr tickles in the same house that's uh, go, that's like a that's like the next level of Mr. Men, isn't it? You know, Correct. It's be... a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> the very shitty. I was going to say, I bet you've never heard that before. Have you? No one's ever said that to you before. Never, ever, <laughs> so ever. So sorry, ever. man. Ever. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just, when I introduced you, I'm just glad you called it Tickled. Because often what people do is they change it. I was, I was at school with a guy whose surname was Diaz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was spelt death. Yeah. Was, oh, right. You know, Lawrence Diaz. <laughs> Lawrence Diaz, actually, but it was like it took a while to work out that it was, it was Lawrence Death, Larry Death, basically. Uh, <laughs> God, that's unfortunate. If you're listening, Larry, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, <laughs> man. You know. All right, man. This is uh, this, this has been an excellent podcast. I've enjoyed it Good. so much. Um, Thanks, dude. It's been a lead. Thank you. Come back on my show. Come back on my. We should just do this every week. You should do a recurring. Every single yeah. Friday, we'll just alternate. Jake <laughs> would run out of things to talk about. I don't think no. so. <laughs> no way. All right, man. Thanks again. Cool. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.